you've never received Christ. Now, if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, the most important decision you will ever make in your life is to put your faith and trust in Christ for eternal life. And I would ask you even now to say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I want to receive, and I do receive Christ as my Savior. I want you to do that today. I want you to open your Bibles again to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse number 30, but then we're going to look at several other verses. If you'll bear with me as we go through the introduction this morning. And I'm preaching on the subject of letting God be God. Letting God be God. And I want you to notice the interesting words of the Lord Jesus in verse number 30 where he says, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear I judge and my judgment is just because, notice this phrase, I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Go to chapter 6, if you will, John chapter 6 and verse 38. It's just the next page over, uh, next page over of John chapter 6. And notice, if you will, in verse number 38, Jesus says this, For I came down from heaven... Not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Go to John chapter 8 now. John chapter 8 and notice in verse number 29. Just a couple of pages over. John eight twenty-nine, And he that sent me is with me. And the Father hath not left me alone. And here's the phrase I want you to see. For I do always those things that please him. Let God be God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray not out of requirement nor habit. But I hunger for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I am a bit weary in mind. And I pray that you would help me and even extra with physical and mental strength and ability today. I don't want to fail you. I don't want to fail these folks who have come to church today and the many, many folks that are watching online. I pray that your power would be evident and would be with us in the message this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The number one prayer of the Lord Jesus was to do the will of the Father. The number one sermon emphasis of the Lord Jesus was to do the will of the Father. Now I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the fact that Jesus said plainly, in fact he said it many times, we read three passages of scripture where he said, I came not to do mine own will, but I came to do the will of the Father. And this past Friday, as we had a special day to remember our dear friend, Dr. Russell Anderson, I shared with them an illustration I want to share with you this morning. 
Judy allowed me to have several of Dr. Anderson's belongings. I have several of his suitcases. There weren't any money in them. I looked through all of them. And, uh, uh, but but, but uh, she gave me several things. And, and, and I have so many of his sermon notes and his books and all of that. In one of his briefcases was this pair of jersey gloves. And several years ago, Brother Anderson told me the story as I had asked him, why do you have those jersey gloves in your briefcase? Now, he was a physical worker. He was a builder. He uh, would do a drywall. In fact, he could do anything in building a house, and he, he enjoyed the physical labor. And so I asked him and, and thought maybe that's why he kept those jersey gloves, just in case he saw a job that needed to be done, that he would uh, do that job. He said, no, I carry those, uh, those gloves to remind me of my purpose in life. He said, I am a set of jersey gloves. And my prayer is that God will fill my life so I can do God's will. You see, that glove has no will of its own. That glove will not perform any work at all. But it will only do what the hand does inside the glove. And that's what Jesus said he came to do. I came to be the glove. The Bible says he is the express image of the Father. I came to do the will of the Father. You may recall as Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and uh, he was about to go to the uh, trial and he was about to go to the beatings that he would suffer and he prayed this prayer. He said, not my will, but thy will be done. The number one prayer of the Lord Jesus is that he would yield his life to the will of the Father. He said in John chapter 8 that we read, I do always those things that please the Father. Now here's what's interesting. As I read through the word of God, I find those that were successful in life were those that yielded their life to the will of God. And the Bible all the way through says you need to let God be God in your life. You and I are simply a glove. We are simply an individual that's a creation of God that God wants not only to feel, God wants to direct in His will. And there is no limit of what God will do in our life if we yield our lives to God. I want you to take your Bibles this morning go to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. Now we could stay here an hour, but you would leave before I finish. So I'm not going to stay here an hour. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, we have this story here where Elijah, he uh, faces the false prophets and the prophets of Jezebel uh, on Mount Carmel. And there's been no rain on the earth and everything is dry. And it's a space of three and a half years. And uh, Elijah gathers all the people around and uh, he tells them uh, that he is going to put a sacrifice on an altar. And he said, whichever God answers by fire, he makes this statement, let him be God. 
That's interesting to me because the word let means to give permission to. The word let means to allow. For you see, God is not going to take over your life. He made you a free moral agent. He's not going to make you love Him, but He wants you to choose to love Him. And even more, He wants you to yield your life to Him so He can be God in and through you. For you see, the only Jesus the world will ever see is Jesus in you. Notice the words in 1 Kings 18 and verse number 21. The Bible says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under and I will dress the other bullock and lay it on the wood and put no fire under and call thee on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God that answereth by fire. I have this underlined. I have it in parentheses. I have quotation marks around these words. Let him be God. I want to say this morning the most successful day in your life is when you yield your life to God and say, God, I want you to live your life through me today. Let him be God. Now what's interesting is I find this story throughout the word of God. And it amazes me, and this truth is found throughout the Word of God. It amazes me because the God of heaven who created the world, that, that, that scientists are still discovering what God created uh, many years ago. They're still discovering uh, the God of the universe, the God uh, that shows his might and power, uh, the God who put the galaxies in their places, uh, uh, the ecosystem and the heartbeat of hand and the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord Elijah says let him be God give him permission to be God let God do what he wants to do in your life now if you read the rest of the story you find that the false prophets they prayed and nothing happened nothing ever has happened when false prophets pray because gods are just that they are the false gods of man I'd hate to have a God that I had to carry around and set up in worship I'm, I would hate to have a God that I had to carry into battle. I'm glad we have a God that carries us, not just into battle, but he carries us through the valley, uh, through the battle, not just in the valley, but through the valley. I'm glad I don't carry my God. I don't tote my God. I don't set my God up. He is in control of all things, and the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Now, throughout the Bible, we find this truth, let him be God. Let me show you another story that's very similar to this. Take your Bibles and go to the book of Mark in chapter 6. In Mark chapter 6. Now, Capernaum had been basically the headquarter location 
of the work of the Lord Jesus. Uh, but here in this chapter, uh, the Lord Jesus comes to his hometown. He comes to his home, and I believe, uh, according to what Jesus has been doing, he's been healing the sick, he's been raising the dead, he's been giving eternal life uh, to the multitudes. I believe that when Jesus came home, he intended to do a greater work in his hometown than he had done in Capernaum and those towns around him. I want you to notice this passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 6 beginning in verse number 1. And he went out from thence and came into his own country. And his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which giveth unto him, which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Now notice, they're astonished at his words. They're astonished at his works. And they call them the mighty works of God. Now verse number 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. Now look at verse number 5. And he could there do no mighty work. That's strange to me. That's strange that the Bible says that Jesus could do no mighty work. Because Jesus can do anything he wants to do, but hear me well, it is the decision of God. It is the will of the Lord Jesus to only do what we allow him to do in and through our lives by faith and obedience to him. Are you with me this morning? And so he could there do no mighty work. The next verse is also amazing to me. The Bible says, and he marveled. He marveled. I mean, he just, he's thinking, why, why, why? He marveled because of their unbelief and went round about the village's teaching. Now, in Mark chapter 6, the Lord Jesus is limited because of their lack of faith. Now, I'm preaching to you this morning that God has a will for your life. I'm preaching to you this morning and saying the greatest day of your life is when you give your life to the will of the Father and decide, I'm going to let God work his life and his will through me. Just as that old jersey glove does no work, can do no work, but yields to the hand within it. You and I need to yield our life to the will of the Father and allow him, give him permission, hunger for him, desire for him, have faith in him to do what he wants to do. Do you know the Bible says, I have seen and ear uh, uh, that I have not seen, ear have not heard what my Father hath in store for those uh, that love him and those that will serve him. Do you know God wants to do a mighty work in our lives? And every day I have this very thought. In fact, I, 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 I tend to desire to preach about this every time I preach because I pray so often and I think so often, God, what do you want to do? Can you imagine if Jesus were in town today? what he would do can you imagine we know what he can do we know what he did oh but listen he wants to continue to work in and through our lives if we but yield ourselves to him and so I preach to us today let God be God in your life 
I'll give you another story. Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78. Take your Bibles and go to 78 and verse 40. Psalm 78, right there in the middle of your Bible. Psalm 78. And go to verse number 40. I love to hear the pages turn. I, I, I like using the Bible. I like it. Psalm 78, verse number 40. What we have here, we began understanding that Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself. I came not to do my will. I came to do the will of the Father. And from the beginning of his life, being born at the manger in Bethlehem, all the way to Calvary, Jesus prayed and Jesus preached, not my will but thine be done, not my will but thine be done, not my will but thine be done. And he did only those things that pleased the Father. But then we find that truth applied to us and God's people from the beginning of the Bible all the way through. Notice here how God was limited. Uh, Psalm 78 and verse number 40. How often they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert. And then it has an exclamation point. Yea, they turned back and tempted God. Now why did they do that? Because of the difficulty that was ahead of them, they said, we'll go back to Egypt. They, they made the dumbest statement. They said, we'll go back and eat the leeks, garlic, and onion. I'd rather starve in the wilderness than eat that. And, and, and they said, we'll, we'll go back to the wilderness. And the Bible said they, they, they provoked God. They limited God when they turned back because they did not want to face the difficulty. Why was God bothered at that? Don't miss it. Because God wanted to fight the battle for them. You young men that are sitting here, and there's, there's 50, 60 young preachers that are here, you're going to face many battles ahead of you. But God didn't call you into battle to send you into battle. He called you to go with you and to do a mighty work. All he wants you to do is be his jersey glove. He just wanted to fill your life. That's all God wants to do. And he'll do a mighty work. We don't want to tempt him by turning back in the day of difficulty. Let's finish these verses. Go back to verse number 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand nor the day when he had delivered them from the enemy. How he had wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan. And look at verse 44. And had turned their rivers into blood and their floods that they could not drink. He sent divers sorts of flies and frogs. And he goes through all of that reminding them what he had done. And I preach to you today what God has done. What is what God can do and what he desires to do if we would but yield our lives to him. What does God want to do in your life? You've heard me say this many times before. There was a time and a period of time in my life and ministry that I desired to do something for God. And I said it out loud. I want to do something great for God. And I meant that with all of my heart. I desired to do something great for God. I wanted God to be pleased in my life. I wanted to do a great work for God. But I came to the realization that I can do nothing. Is that not what Jesus said in our text passage? He said, I can of myself do nothing. 
And I came to the realization it's not what I could do for God. It's what God could do if I would but yield my life to Him. I'm preaching to us today. Let's yield our life to Him. No matter how young we are. No matter how old we are. Let's yield our lives to God. I did the wedding last week. I performed the ceremony. Brother Clark and I did last Saturday. And Brother Joe works for a fellow named Brother Norris. Brother Norris in New Hampshire. And he told me after the wedding ceremony, he said, when I was a boy, just eight years old, you preached in uh, Iowa. Uh, You preached at a camp there, the Cedar River Baptist Camp. And he said, I didn't understand everything about the sermon, but you preached about Abraham giving Isaac as a sacrifice on the altar and how not only Abraham yielded to what God had asked him to do, but Isaac yielded to the will of his father and Isaac laid down his life on the altar. And I said, that's what we need to do, young people, is give our life to God. He said, I didn't understand all that meant. But he said, in the service that day, I came to the altar and I said, Lord, I want to give my life to you. That's what I'm preaching today. Whether you're 8 or 80, let's yield our life to let God be God in our lives. There are four areas. There are four areas that we need to yield our life to God and let God be God in our lives. First of all, when it comes to our decisions in life. We need to let God be God. When Daniel was taken as a captive into the land of Babylon, Daniel was offered the king's meat and the king's wine. For you see, they had taken the educated, they had taken the talented from the land of Israel and they had brought them to Babylon to serve the king there. And so they said, we will give to these young men that are captives, we will give them the wine and the meat of the king, and we will help them even be better. And that's what their intention was, so they could serve the king. But the Bible says in Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat because you can improve on what God has said. And Daniel said, I'll just do what God said to do. He refused the wine. He refused the meat. And the, and, and, and the servant said, you're going to get me in trouble if you don't eat this meat and drink this wine. He said, let's do a test. Let's see how those do that obey God. And let's see how those do that eat the king's meat and drink the king's wine. Oh, you listen to me, dear friend. Those that were obedient to the instruction of God when they stood before the servant after that period of time they found that their mind was better and their body was better and they were better fit to serve and I want to tell you dear friend when it comes to the decisions of life oh we ought to yield our lives to the will of God I could not believe what I heard said yesterday I could not believe there's a fellow that they interviewed on or, or let write an article or something on Fox News. His name is Bill Maher. You can't listen to him. He's filthy mouth and filthy minded. And he was speaking of the new speaker that's just been chosen as the speaker of the house. Mike Johnson from Louisiana. And the press asked him this week what his worldview was on various subjects. And here's what he said. He said, you take any question 
He said, you go to your shelf, take the Bible and read it. And that's my worldview on everything. That's what he said. Bill Maher said he's mentally unstable. And then he said this. He's only a shade different than the man who just murdered 18 people in Maine and wounded another 35. That's what a reporter said. He said, anybody that would believe this book, I'm telling you what he said, anybody that would believe this book, he said, is mentally unstable and is only one shade from a murderer. I got news for you. I don't care what Bill Maher has to say or any other heathen, including the king of Babylon, when Daniel decided his decision would be made by the will of God. And he said, not my will, but thine. Not my mind, but thine. God used that. And Daniel was used to become the prime minister of the, of the land of Babylon. And God used him. And I say today, let God's will be done in your life when it comes to our decisions of life. Second of all, when it comes to our direction in life. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He said in verse number 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Let God make our decisions. How do we do that? We do that from reading the Bible to know the mind of Christ. Jesus said this, I can do nothing of myself. I do always the will of the Father. I do those things that please the Father. And some may say, that doesn't sound very appealing. And I would have to give up these things and these things and these. Oh, but God said, why don't you try my will? It brought Joseph from prison to the palace. It brought Daniel from the lion's den to the man in charge because he said, not my will, but thy will will be done. I move quickly. Number three, let him be God when it comes to the need for deliverance in our life. Oh, I wish I had time to dwell here. If you're suffering from an addiction, only God can deliver you. If you're suffering from fears and faults and failures and doubts, and you're living a life in frustration rather than one of inner peace and inner joy and inner happiness. I want to say today, only God can deliver you from those thoughts and those fears and those addictions of life. You need to say, I want the mind of Christ in my mind. I want the will of God in my life. And I want to yield my life to do the will of God. And it is God that can give the deliverance. The children of Israel were in hiding because of Goliath. He had cursed the God of heaven. He had defied the armies of Israel. He mocked them and he laughed them. And young David, this shepherd boy, you know the story. He took his slingshot and he started uh, down to the brook and across the brook to meet uh, uh, Goliath. You know what Goliath said? Am I a dog? 
I, am I a dog? You think you're going to throw rocks at me and run me off? Am I a dog? You're going to hit me with a stick and make me go? You know what David said? All of Israel's going to know. All of Israel's going to know. All of Israel's going to know that there's a God in heaven. David knew it wasn't him. It wasn't his slingshot. It was his yieldedness to the will of God that delivered the children of Israel. And only God can deliver us from the holds of Satan in our life. I say, last of all, let him be God when it comes to fulfilling our duties in life. I can only be the father God wants me to be by yielding to his will. I can only be the husband God wants me to be while doing his will. I can only be the father, the pastor, the servant, the preacher. I can only do what God wants me to do as I yield to his will. Ah, I love what, this, uh, what, what the apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. And I'm glad that I can yield my nothing to him and receive everything from him and can fulfill God's will in my duties of life. You know what I want to be in life? Just a jersey glove that says, Lord, fill me and use me. If you don't know Christ as Savior, your life is as empty as that glove. Ah, but with Christ in your life, Oh, we can know the joy of inner peace, of inner joy, of inner happiness, and the fulfillment of life. I say to you, as Elijah said to that crowd on Mount Carmel, let God be God in your life. Stand with me, if you will. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here this morning, you've never received Christ as Savior and I know you don't understand everything about the Bible. You don't understand everything about church, but you need to understand this. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second of all, Christ died to pay for your sin. Third of all, if you will receive him by faith, he will take your sin away. He will. And he'll give to you everlasting life. Here this morning as a child of God and you're struggling. You're struggling to find purpose in life. God made you. God is the one that gives us our purpose. And oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that across this building from the youngest to the oldest, we would say, Lord, I want to yield my life to you. I want you living in me. I want you living through me. Lesser invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As he sings on the invitation song, the altar's open this morning. Perhaps you need to find a place at this altar and say, I want you to live in my life. I want you to live through my life. I want, I want to serve you. I want to do your will for my life. As we read through history and those who accomplished a great work for God, it was not their talent. It was not their ability. It was their yieldedness to the power of God. It was their yieldedness to the ability of God. That's what helped them. That's what made them accomplish the great works that they did in life.